Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's January 11th, 2019. You're listening to the best poker cast that money can buy. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. 2019, have you stumbled yet this year? Have you done the 2018 thing yet? Uh, I have not. All my checks, and, and I'll pause for laughter for people laughing at me for writing checks still. <laughs> I have uh, put 19 on every single one of them so far. So. I have, too. I have not I have not slipped. Uh, it's weird. And it's all, you always see the memes and stuff on Facebook. People scrub, you know, you show the check with the scribbled out 8 and the 9 next to it and stuff. But uh, it's been pretty good so far. It's been a good year so far. Yeah, even, like, in uh, my calendar and stuff, too. I'm like, as you know, you'll, like, at the beginning, you'll... Like I use my QuickBooks for the company or the Quicken for the personal stuff. Sometimes it'll revert to eighteen. Nope, nope. Got them all nineteen so far. So yeah, baby. This is, these are the little celebrations that we get. That little victories in life that you and I so sad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing worse than reconciling at the end of the month and I'm like, I know I put that in there. Where is it? I can't find it. And find out it's January six, two thousand eighteen. <laughs> Oh, the, this is the problems that the Antioch Nation have. Uh, <laughs> because it could be first world problems, I guess. Uh, could be worse. As I always say, I live in the first world. These are the only problems I have. So. <laughs> um, all right, let's get started here. Uh, the World Series Poker has announced details on 13 more events for this summer's 50th series. New to the schedule is a $1,000 mini main event. Uh, two days before the main event kicks off, featuring the same 60,000 unit stack. And structure, with the exception of levels lasting 30 minutes. Also, two new super bounty events are on the schedule, both of which will conclude the day they start. And the Colossus gets a makeover this year, Chris, becoming a two-flight event with a series-low $400 buy-in. You're going, aren't you? You're going to go play in that. Uh, I'm not going to play. I, I'm really still intrigued by the kickoff event, I yeah. think, if I play. But um, um it's hard to pass up a four hundred hour buy in too, so I don't know. We'll see how the schedule works out. We're still trying to land some uh, anti up tour events for this summer, so have to that's true. Wait to see where that works out before that's we. True. I, I plan to go to Vegas for fun, but uh, but interesting. They keep rolling out uh, stuff. I actually like all these things to be honest. Uh, I think it's nice to have um, you know our Pearl River anti up event always does a mini main um, to get people kind of the feel for the structure at a lower price point. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and these super bounty events are a thousand and fifteen hundred. Um, and, and wow, uh, and the tournament, a World Series tournament, ends the day it starts. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Can uh, you uh, can you explain to me how a mini main event gives you the feel of the main event if they're only thirty minute levels? Though, well, I mean, how's that any it, different? It, it, well, the minutes I think are the the least important part of the structure of this. I think I think. Um, you need to get comfortable playing with a 60,000-unit stack, particularly if you've been there for a week or so or came mm-hmm. out for a couple weekends before. You're not getting anywhere near 60,000 units in any of the World Series tournaments, right? So um, now you might get it back home somewhere, but um, but it gets you the feel of playing with that, that same stack size um, and the structure minus the two-hour. I mean, it's compressed down to a fourth of the so it's still fast it plays fast but everything else plays the same so um i think it's probably a a better practice event than if you did a uh tournament with an hour hour and a half blinds um and you started with twenty thousand units yeah i i think but um but i guess that that's the that's the thinking behind it so okay i guess i buy into that it's just it just seems like if they're if you're hurried you know, every 30 minutes, you're going up in blinds. It really doesn't, you don't really, the structure means nothing then. If, if every two, every hour your structure is doubling, basically, it doesn't really help you. It well, is. yeah, to some degree. I mean, the 60,000 units helps mitigate it a little bit. I mean, but you're right. I mean, it's obviously faster. And like we said, 
four times faster. But um, I, I think one of the things that a lot of recreational players make the mistake of with these big stacks, and this is why I don't think big stacks are always that important, but you know, you start, you have this all-in reflex, right? Um, at some point, and even with thirty-minute levels, you really shouldn't be getting sixty thousand units in all yeah. in. Yeah. Um, you know, until maybe level five, unless it's just a super cooler kind of hand, right? So, yeah. um, so I think that it's a, it's a good experience to say, wait a minute, I don't need to. Even though the limits are thirty minutes now, I don't have to panic. I've got five gajillion big blinds in front of me right now, and in thirty minutes, I'm going to have four gajillion big blinds in front of me. So, um, definitely gives you that uh, practice of um, practicing restraint and patience a little bit uh before you pluck down the ten thousand and and have to do it doesn't this uh doesn't this seem like a like the wikileaks is announcing the world series this year (laughs) with the drip 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 of information it's like the tried and true pr strategy to um announce a little bit at every time and then you get a bump every time it comes out um uh the flip side of that though is it does frustrate people they're like come on you know you've got everything done now so yeah. Put it all out there so I can plan. But yeah, I mean, we're falling for it. I mean, we're using it every week. So, you know, we, we got news, so we're using it. But yeah, we're falling for it every week. Um, no, I also don't think it's diabolical either. I think when you're talking about the World Series, you've got a lot of information to um, digest. Um, you know, what is it, 60, 70 events? Um, you got a lot of new events this year. It's the 50th anniversary. Um, so you got a lot of stuff going on. So if they just like vomited all over your email with everything (laughs) (laughs) um some of that stuff would get lost and uh, that doesn't do any service to the players right so um so yeah it's definitely strategic what they're doing but i i think it's a it's a good strategy for players because you're getting a little bit of information each time you can think about it so um you know like because the last the first the first time we talked about this we were talking about the kickoff event how cool that was and then we were wondering what's going to happen to the classes and now we know so Yeah, yeah Now you can make a determination. I'm like, oh, okay, now Colossus is just a two-flight event, so it may not be such a shove fest. And it's $400, so it's a little bit cheaper. Or do I want to do the $500 or what, $550 or whatever it is, kickoff event, um, with that instead. So, Is the Colossus yeah. anywhere near the kickoff event? Or when, do you, no, do you have, it's no. towards the end. Um, uh, not, not completely at the end, but uh, it's closer to the main event than it is to the kickoff. So you'll you'll have a distinct uh, decision to make. I mean, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll yeah, go imagine, early or you go know, late. For, for local players that that like that level buy and they'll play, well, I'm sure they'll be playing both. If you're a weekend warrior that comes in and you come in for a couple weekends, that might be what you choose. If you're not a senior, yeah, um, yeah. obviously you're playing for the seniors event. But uh, us still young guns, I'm holding on to that. Like, <laughs> you know, if you're going to make two weekend trips out there, I mean, now it's you got to give serious consideration to the kickoff weekend and then come back out for the classes. I think very cool. Play, play two two World Series bracelet events for less than a thousand bucks. It's crazy too when you think about they have the one million dollar buy-in and a four hundred dollar buy-in. You know what I mean? Whether it's on the yeah, I, this year, I think they're skipping the the big one is yeah. every other year. So I think it's the little one this year. But yeah, but yeah, I'm just saying right. as as far as an event, like next yeah. year they'll still have a four hundred dollar buy-in one probably or something, and they'll still have the million. It's just crazy the the polarization yeah, the of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely crazy. <laughs> Well, speaking of crazy, this is a great story, I think. Uh, Aaron Johnson of Minnesota has won Player of the Year titles in the, both the Heartland Poker Tour and the Mid-States Poker Tour this year, getting a $10,000 prize package from each tour. Johnson was in a commanding lead for the MSPT title most of the year, uh, with only two challengers left in the final event. Um, in the HPT race, however, though, he lost the lead midway and had to make a deep run in the championship to win the title, finishing sixth. Uh, he cashed 11 times in the MSMPT with three main event final tables and had four caches in the HPT with one title in addition to that championship final table finish. Yeah, this guy's the luckiest guy on the planet. <laughs> That's right. Every time uh, somebody tries to say there's a lot of luck in poker, this, this is the type of player that I point to and say, what is this guy walking in with like a rabbit's foot around his neck and garlic clothes in his pocket? I mean, clearly this is a quality player who is using a serious amount of skill to get it done. He's not the luckiest guy on the planet, you know, to sort of paraphrase Mike McDermott. Um, it's just incredible. It's an incredible run. Uh, yeah, and, this is, uh, according to the article I read, the uh, first player to win uh, Player of the Year in two tours in the same year, which um, I, I don't dispute at all. Um, but uh, he, he picked the right two 
tours, I think, to try to do this in um, for being from Minnesota. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's huge up there, and those events are relatively close for him to get to, most of them, um, although they've been expanding elsewhere. Um, and a lot of the HPTS, where the HPT started, even though uh, they're moving around a little bit. So um, for travel for them, I think those are the two ones to get to. Um, and for a recreational player, those are probably the two titles worth working for. It's a little harder the recreational player to be the World Series of Poker or WPT Player of the Year, right? So, yeah, um, very strategic on us part, but uh, also played very well. So, I mean, that's what eleven. Uh, how many cash is total? Um, uh, eleven and five, fifteen caches. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. Eleven in one tour is is pretty crazy. Um, you know, <laughs> grab the title, a bunch of final tables at main events too, not just like undercard events or anything. Um. So, I mean, clearly this guy is, is hitting his stride right now, and uh, hats off to him. That's pretty phenomenal. And he probably also won the Tony Cousineau Player of the Year Award this year because <laughs> uh, all the caches, as far as I can tell, he only had one championship. Yeah, he won one title at HPT. One title. Yeah. Um, so he, he, he built it the old-fashioned way, you know, lots of final tables, lots of caches. So very interesting strategy. Yeah, pretty crazy. All right, so uh, comedian Norm MacDonald, who I love, other than the fact that the last time I saw him, he was high, he was on stage for three hours, and we had to leave, but <laughs> other than that, he's funny as hell. Uh, he recently played the Poker Stars player, Players Championship in the Bahamas, where USC Today's For the Win column caught up with him. Uh, a couple of interesting insights I thought from, from that interview. Uh, Norm says the challenge of being a celebrity at a table is that players want to be able to tell their friends they beat you out of a hand, so it's very difficult to run bluffs. Uh, but the most interesting tidbit is that Norm doesn't believe there are any amateur players left. After online poker largely died, players who continue to play live kept getting better, he says. And, quote, everyone got good. The difference between a very good recreational player and a pro is indistinct. Um, you know, a couple of things. One, uh, Norm MacDonald, welcome to our world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I don't play as much as I used to anymore, but when I used to play a lot or when you're on the cruise and they know who you are and, and everything, it's... Yeah, welcome to our world. I basically resort to ABC poker when I'm playing people who know who I am because it's just there's just no way I'm getting through them with a bluff or they want to take my chips. So yeah, a little more I, than everybody I else. Think Norm was whining here, but I think some some people might be whining here. Uh, I don't whine about this. You just have to adjust your game, right? Yeah. So, you know, if if your game is largely predicated on bluffs, you're not going to be very successful as a celebrity player, right? But um, if you're able to, as you said, shift and, and play ABC, and you don't have to play like straight ABC. I mean, I, I think there are times where you can make moves that make sense where players are not going to like just call you to see what you have or call you to win, but you just have to adjust your strategy. Um, and, you know, if you're not a celebrity or no one knows who you're table, then you don't have to adjust your strategy because they don't, you know, you're not going to have a problem, but a good poker player knows how to adjust, right? Yeah, and the second part I I agree and disagree with. It's kind of odd. It, the fact that he says that there's basically no more amateurs, that I disagree with. But the the fact that a good recreational player and a pro are indistinct is probably right. I mean, there are a lot of times where you're sitting at a, you know, there are a lot of guys who make a living at 1-3 or 1-2 and 2-5. That's what they do for a living, that game. So you could be sitting in there with, you know, some guys who, you know, might play a little online at home or might have a home game and then you run into them at a casino and, and they're, they're well-rounded players because let's face it poker's been ubiquitous since you know 03 so i mean from that point on people who are interested in poker now are pretty well polished at the game but they're not pros they're not doing it for a living they're not it's not their sole income so yeah i can see whereas if you go to the casino now you can see maybe three or four or five guys at the table or or people at the table that are good enough to give you the illusion that they might play for a living. Um, but the fact that there's no amateur players left, or very few, I, I find that hard to believe. I mean, you can't tell me that everyone is fighting for that dollar and trying to beat the rake at the at the casino to make a living. There's no way. Well, uh, yeah, I'm curious whether this is a... We're taking him too literally in this. Um, it also wasn't part of his quote, so it could have been the reporter kind of like... yeah that twist in there but I, I think more directly from his quote we, uh, which is what you said is yeah, that, that very good recreational player in a pro that line has definitely there's lots of pros that will say that too that that line has um, 
gotten a lot closer now. Um, and it may be, it may be indistinct, um, or the difference is very thin now. So. And the other thing is, I don't know, I don't know what price range he's playing either. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, so he's playing in the PokerStars Player Championship, which I don't know what the, I forget off the top of my head what the buy-in is, but you're not getting, uh, you know, 75-year-old George from the uh, $20 tournament area. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so you're getting the, the, the recreational players entering there are, for the most part, talented unless they're just rich. So Right. Um, but, yeah, so if you go to your local $20 weekly tournament, yeah, you're still going to see some pretty bad play, right? But. Um, but in this world that he he's playing in, uh, I think he's probably right. His recreational players and the pros are about the same now. I mean, he could be he could be slumming it with us in the one two. I mean, I, you know, I, I, you remember Bill Gates would play one two. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there there's you don't know what level he's playing, but yeah, you have a feeling that when he's getting quoted from the Poker Stars event, that he's probably playing only big events because he's a millionaire and he doesn't need to worry about buy-ins and stuff. So. When he says everybody got good, well, there were very few people who were playing at that level who weren't good to start with. You know, it's it's I don't know, but yeah, at our level, I think it's you you can easily find guys making a living at two five and one three, um, and you can find guys who are just really good at the game but don't don't do it all the time, so they don't want to risk it for bigger stakes. So between those two, yeah, that'd be hard. There'd be hard to, to tell the difference between them, I guess. The other interesting thing here wasn't really mentioned, but uh, well, kind of extracted from it is that um, it's another reminder of what the loss of online poker yeah, means, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and he's right, and a lot of players said this too. You know, once online died, a lot of online players moved on. They didn't move to live. They didn't, um, you know, try to find other sites that they can play. They just decided, hey, I'm going to do something else with my life, right? Yep. Um. So, so those that said, "Hey, I, I like poker. I wish I could play it online, but I can't now. Um, so I'm going to play live." Um, you know, they've, as he said, been studying and getting better because that's what they want to do. It's a hobby that transcends the convenience factor that they used to enjoy, right? Um, and I think this is really interesting. I was talking to a poker room manager a couple of weeks ago, um, and uh, who said that he thinks that the the effects of the lack of online poker have finally made it to his room. And he's like, we're just not seeing young players anymore. Yeah, you know, you look around and it's all our older regulars. We're just not getting that um, that churn of young players that uh, have money and come in here and play and then leave. Um, so uh, that's really concerning, I think. So yeah, because those online, I mean, that's where a lot of the younger generation is spending their time, whether it's gaming or or anything like that. Uh, YouTubing, social networking, whatever, and it's a transition for them. Or even like guys who are playing like Magic the Gathering, those guys, right. you know, what I mean, they're playing cards, and and they may make the transition. But it's so much easier to get all the kinks out in your bedroom playing on online than it is to go down and and feel embarrassed in front of people. You know, there's that whole okay, I feel strong and confident now, and I'm not worried about looking like a fool in front of people. Now I'll go try it live, or I can read people's tells and. You know, there's there's that whole practice factor that you get from online, and they're just not getting it. And you're right, and it's sad. It's scary, actually. It's kind of scary that you know this could all go away someday because online went away. You know, it's pretty scary. Yeah, one of the bright spots is uh, global poker seems to be growing every single month, um, and so they found a way around it um, and, and getting people to play. So there might be might be hope that it's coming back in the course, and then hopefully these other states take off. Um, you know, as long as they don't have governors vetoing bills, <laughs> yeah. they'll bring that back a little bit. But um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, it's been what, seven years now, I think, since Black Friday. Could be wrong, and. Uh, and some people are still just now experiencing the effects of it. So. Yeah. Sad. Hey, any updates? The Silks Poker Room in Tampa Bay Downs in Tampa, Florida will host an Annie Up Poker Tour Series February 4th to the 10th, featuring six events, including a Seniors, a Monster Stack, and a Bounty, culminating with a five-flight $250 buy-in main event. Step satellites for the main start at 25 bucks. And throughout the month of January, players will have numerous chances to make it into the main with four satellites and high-hand promotions in every tournament that will award satellite seats or even main event entries. For the full schedule, structures, and more other details, visit com slash silks. 
Running Aces Casino and Racetrack near Minneapolis, Minnesota will be awarding 11 Annie Up Poker Cruise packages for the October 26th sailing to the Eastern Caribbean and $1,200 in travel money during the month of February. The 10 poker players with the most hours played from February 1st to 28th will compete in a Sail Away Poker Tournament streamed on Twitch using Running Aces RFID table with the winner getting a package. If one or more of the players can't participate, a drawing will be held to fill the seats with poker players getting uh, a ticket for every poker tier point earned in February. Table games players will get one raffle ticket for every table games tier point earned with drawings for cruise packages on February 1st, 3rd, 8th, 10th, 15th, 17th, 22nd, 24th, and 28th with one package awarded each drawing and two packages awarded on the final drawing. For more info on this promotion and all of Annie Up's cruises, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Uh, one last cruise thing. Rivers Casino and Resort in Schenectady, New York, will be awarding 10 Ocean View Annie Up Poker Cruise packages for the April 20th sailing to the Western Caribbean and $1,000 in onboard credit during the month of February. Winners of the Hot Seats Cash Game drawings at 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. on February 8th and 9th and 23rd uh, and at 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. on February 18th and 24th, we'll win a package. Players must have been seated for 30 minutes to qualify. For more info on the promotion, and again, of all Antioch Cruises, visit AntiochCruises.com. Hey, so many Annie updates that i got to jump in so you can get some oxygen. <laughs> I'm dying over here. I need a drink. <laughs> All right, our annual restocks the food, uh, show, restock the shelves food bank initiative with Blue Shock Optics has begun. Uh, here are the venues hosting events this week. Go to antiupmagazine.com slash restock for more details. Daytona Beach Racing and Card Club in Daytona Beach, Florida. You get one raffle ticket for every food item or $1 you donate during the Great American Poker Tournament events January 12th through the 20th. Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Get 1,000 additional units, up to a maximum of 10,000 for each food item donated, or 10,000 additional units for a $20 donation in a $150 bounty tournament on January 17th and a $200 8-max tournament on January 18th. Into the Mountain Gods Resort and Casino in Mescalero, New Mexico. Get 1,000 additional units for donating three food items, 2,500 additional units for donating five items and 5,000 additional units for donating eight or more items in a $50 tournament on January 13th. And also daily and weekly promotions are running all month at Lucky Chances Casino in Colma, California, Pachanga Resort and Casino in Temecula, California, Derby Lane in St. Petersburg, Florida, Miami Poker Society in Miami, Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, Seneca Niagara Casino Resort and Casino in Niagara Falls, New York, and the Bend Poker Room in Bend, Oregon. Whew, I'm winded. I only did half of that. <laughs> we got a lot of crap this week for uh, you saying units instead of chips. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So we probably should have <laughs> talked about that. So I didn't want to respond to the, you know, because I'm a nice guy. But I'm like, one, I, units is a more specific term, I think. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a specific term to use, right? It is because a chip could be 100 chips. chips and 3,000 in chips. Yep, that's right. So if you're getting... 1,000 in additional chips? That sounds awkward to me. <laughs> well, you could just say they get 1,000 chips, and then that's it. No, but that's what I'm saying. That's technically inaccurate. <laughs> you're not getting actually 1,000 chips. Well, no, that, it is It is accurate, because if you said you're getting $1,000, they're not going to give you 1,000 singles. They're giving you its, it's denomination. So the, you wouldn't say it's not right. I mean, if, if they said you're getting $10,000... Or your your bounty is one hundred and fifty dollars. They're not going to hand you one hundred and fifty singles. They're going to give you, you know, five twenties and you know whatever six twenties and a ten or whatever. You know, seven twenties and a ten. So <laughs> whatever the amount. I'm trying to figure out what the hell. I forgot what I originally said. It must be high or something like Norm McDonald. But uh, see, it's just a lot easier to say units. You don't have to forget about what you're trying to say in the middle of your argument. Yeah, unit. I don't <laughs> just call them chips. Just like you call them dollars. You know, the other thing, too, is like, you know, there are a lot of problems in the world that are a little bit more important than the difference between units and chips, too. So how about we just all relax out there in poker world, folks? It's first world problems. We're living in the first world, I guess. So <laughs> That is a first world poker problem for sure, yes. Hey, we have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. 
This week we are seated in a $1-$2 PLO8 home cash game. This is our regular game, and so we know the players well. We've been going for about an hour and currently sit with 225, up 25. The game is eight-handed. The blinds post with us as the big blind, and it's folded to an MP who makes it $6 to go. This player is solid, but plays too timidly with draws and too fast with made hands. The button and small blind both call, and we look down at the queen of spades, jack of spades, jack of diamonds, ten of hearts. We only need to call $4 into a pot of 20, and even though this is a one-way hand, I like those odds. We call. The pot is $24, and we are immediately rewarded with the queen of hearts, nine of diamonds, eight of hearts. The small blind checks almost instantly, and we bet $24 with the nuts. The MP calls, but the other two players fold. With $72 in the pot, the turn is the tray of spades. We are going to keep up our aggression with a $50 bet. Perhaps this is too light? Our opponent calls. With 172 in the pot, the river is the jack of clubs. This isn't a completely awful card, but it isn't great. Since we no longer have the nuts, we elect to check. Our opponent thinks briefly before shoving. Ugh. What's the move? It's time for the VansPokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiquemagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker trading site. And Hand of the Weeks keep coming in every week. Uh, folks have uh, apparently figured out all their call-the-floor issues on their own <laughs> and have, like, nothing else they want to send us. But keep saying this Hand of the Week. So we Yes. All right, Phil is back in the house. Uh, I think you remember a couple of shows ago he had a ace king hand, and uh, he's got another one now. So wow. see how well or poorly he plays at this time. He must Hopefully. think this is the drawing poker show. <laughs> All right, one, two, no limit hold'em. Nine players, mostly pretty bad players, except for Norm McDonald. Yeah, uh, they were mostly playing tight. Uh, we have a maniacal image as we've been winning small pots and stealing blinds which is, he says, hard to believe in a 1-2 game. Uh, with pre-flop raises, C-bets, and the occasional made hands, we were caught bluffing and lost twice, but we've also shown down Queen-10 for two pair, 10-8 suited for a straight, and had an ace-high bluff hold up to a call uh, by a king-high on a nine-high double-paired board recently. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if that 10-8 is from the O'Malley move this week. I know. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's a very young uh, girl, must be barely 21 in an American casino, with perfect makeup, perfect hair, perfect outfit, and perfect posture with the first villain in his hand. I wonder if she's drinking uh, at Trader, J- Trader Vicks with the werewolf in London. Yeah, I have no clue what you're talking about. Oh, Warren Zevon, classic song. Oh, well, yeah. Hair that... perfect. Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I know the song, but I... That's such a vague reference within it. Perfect, perfect. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, whatever. Moving on. Uh, she was excited to start playing with her max $200 buy-in, but her excitement has visibly dwindled with her chip stack. She still has about $150, though. That's kind of vague. $150. I mean, that could be, you know, was it a big stack of single chips, one yes. chips? Was it, it, it units? It 150 units, yes. Okay, all right. So that's a lot of chips in front of her. Then imagine all whites. It wouldn't look bigger. All yeah. whites. That's right. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. She and the uh, middle-aged woman on her left have recently started complaining that I was raising their blinds, even though I was picking on everyone at the table except for the best player at the table, who was playing very tight <clears throat> on my left. You know, I hate when people actually use strategy, Chris. <laughs> This is a poker game. Don't raise. We're just here to have fun. Well, I mean, they have the right to say, God, every time I look down, they're not going to say, oh, oh, you know what? He's being fair. He's raising everyone. They're, they don't care what everyone else. They only care what's happening to them, and they're just seeing their blinds raised every time by our friend Phil here. So they have a right to complain. It's Phil, here's the thing. Here, here's a little advice I'm going to give you, Phil, before we get in the hand and we mangle the advice, right? I'm going to uh, tell you to take a, a little tablet to the table. I mean, your phone could work, too, but my tablet's a little bit better because it's got a bigger screen. And I want you to keep a spreadsheet of all the times that you raise the blinds and have everybody's name there. And then when somebody complains, you can show them the stats. That's right. Say, look, I raised every one of these seats. Pick on everybody but the really good guy right here. 
<laughs> that's no that's no slight on how bad you are. I'm just saying this guy's really good. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, so uh, the young woman looks excited to play again like she did when she first sat down and makes a rare raise to $10 from the hijack. It folds to us in the small blind, and he says $10 has been a standard raise, but she has been almost exclusively limb-folding or limb-calling, which tells me she's very strong here. With a stack of $450 and only the best player in the big blind behind us holding a $350 stack, we look down at, oh, I already spoiled it, Ace of diamonds, king of diamonds. <laughs> well, the interesting thing here is, you know, if, if we know she had aces or something like that, then whatever. But the funny thing is, if you raise here, you could probably get her whole stack. I mean, I mean, it, it depends on what she has, though. I mean, that's the thing is you don't know. <clears throat> Somebody who comes alive like this generally has a pretty big hand. Now it just—it's whether or not it's just a suit, a big ace, or if it's an actual aces or kings or queens hand. But uh, it's just funny because now you're out of position. But you could totally be like, "Hey, you always raise my blinds. <laughs> Why me?" And then we've got the the image of maniacal. So I mean, we could totally just you know pop it here and then watch her come back at us. We have a legitimate hand. Well, we have the image of being maniacal in our own mind. That's one thing I always caution people when they say yeah. they, they think what everybody else thinks their image is. But, but we'll get filled with better for the doubt. Well, he, he said he's taking down all these hands that raises and he's raising everybody and caught bluffing. And so, I don't know. He may yeah. he may have that hand image. But, all yeah, right. So, a points there that, to the point of that, sure. There's a ton of ways to play this now, given all the information we have. But I think I'm just going to call and see because we don't get to see her really? play. Well, here's hmm. why. Here's why. One, we're going to be out of position. Two, we haven't had an opportunity to see how she plays with a hand. Three, you know what? For ten bucks, she can hit the ace, and then if she has kings. You know what I mean? You might still get her stack, or who knows? But we've got a lot of possibilities with a hand. We're out of position, and we haven't had a chance to see how she plays in position with a hand. You might as well get that information too for a mere ten bucks, and then you get her stack later. You know, you don't know what's going to happen here. A re-raise out of position. She has aces. You shove. You've lost the re-raise for no reason. You know, you you call ten, miss the flop. She bets out. You fold. You only lost ten, and you kind of got some more information on her. So, I like to just limp here. I think with this, I don't think I'm going to re-raise and get into some sort of, you know. All right, then she. If you make it forty, she makes it her whole stack because she's going to make it one twenty. She only had one hundred and fifty. So then she shoves on you, and you lose forty for nothing because you're not. You may call with Ace King, but knowing what she has and doing that, you have to be beat. So I might just call and see what happens. And then if the flop comes for us, we check into her and see what kind of bet she's willing to make and just take it from there. I, I just don't think there's any reason to just be aggressive again here. That's the whole point of being maniacal. You never know what they're going to do. Well, you made a good point that I didn't think of. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, every other hand, we know what's going to happen. Yeah. This hand, though, we don't know what's going to happen, so... <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I'd like to see what she does. <laughs> we haven't seen the way she's played yet. I, I am totally raising here. Here's why. I mean, it, this seemed like an easy raise to me. Um, I don't normally like to raise out of the small blind, particularly with a drawing hand. Um, so this is very out of the norm for me. But the big, the bigger point for me now here is I'm not so much worried about uh, the young woman here. Um, you're right, she could have a really big hand. But she only has $150 or units or whatever in her stack, right? Mm -hmm. And we have 450 so even if we get it all in and lose, I mean, I'm not giving away $150, but that's not going to be a tragic um, result for us, right? I'm much more concerned about the only good player at the table, according to Phil, who is in the big blind, and we limp with 10 bucks here, I think is going to limp with whatever. And then now we are out of position against a really good player and a player that we are giving credit for having a decent hand now because of the way she's acting, right? So now we got to be two decent or, or pretty good hands, uh, or players that are, are a good player and a player that seems to have a good hand. I would rather raise here and get rid of, try to get rid of the good player in the hand, and if she re-raises or whatever, then we'll figure out what's going to go there. But um, And then because uh, she doesn't seem like a skillful player here, right? So I'm not too worried about raising and then checking the flop no matter what comes if we miss or whatever. I don't feel that I need to keep the aggression up with this player. I might still do that, but I don't feel as much like I need to do it as much as I would against other player. 
Jeez. To me, the key is getting rid of the good player. I don't know. I mean, obviously, if if this was a vacuum and we just started playing and I looked down at Ace King and I don't know how she plays and I don't really know how the guy next to me plays, but you got to remember, he is in the blind. He's forced to put that money out there. He doesn't necessarily have a hand. He's in a blind. It's a random – you're just hoping that – He's not the type of player that would just say, oh, well, there's $20 in the pot now. I have to call eight to win 20. It's still not really good odds for him to do that, to call oh, a raise. 30, I mean. Or, I mean, no, I mean, to, to win his own three. He, he wouldn't be 30 until he put his eight in. You know what I mean? Right, it's still. So, I mean, I just, to me, I think that you're risking money to fight uh, a ghost. There, there's there, there's nothing there to worry about yet. You're no, hoping there's something policy. to worry about. I, I would rather you're going to put uh, forty bucks out there to try to make this guy fold, who's probably going to fold anyway, and then run the risk of her having something like queens or kings and shoving on you. And then you're going to like, oh, do I have to now risk 150 because this one guy next to me I was worried about being in the hand with me? I'm still a good player. I don't have to worry about how he plays. I'm still got ace king suited. I don't care what he has. <laughs> Suited, suited. Um, I, I, I guess we'll see. We'll have to agree to disagree on here. All right, yeah, let's agree to disagree. That's the whole point of the show. So, yeah. all right, see what happens here. All right, uh, all right. Our uh, here it says uh, we decide to shift gears here to see what happens after a call. The Yay. big blind folds. Oh my Yay. god! <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have read ahead here, could I? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so big blind folds, and we're heads up to a flop. All right, so this is fine. All right, great. Jeez. All right, but <laughs> That's funny. Couldn't the big blind have called here just made it more interesting? <laughs> all right, the flop is the ace of clubs, nine of hearts, five of spades. And before we uh, act, uh, the young woman still looks excited, Phil says, Chris. So what's our move here? That was a small blind. Uh, well, I think we have to check. I mean, there's no reason to bet out and make her really focus on this board or really – I mean, yeah, could it be one of those things where she's supposed to have a hand here and she's going to – but I really feel like she's going to – she's eager. So anything you do to dissuade that is not good unless you think she's going to be just totally frustrated with the fact that you kept pushing her around earlier and she might come over the top. But I love this flop for us. There's no flush. There's no straight. We have top pair, top kicker. The only thing that we could possibly really be worried about, to me, would be pocket aces. And the odds of the case ace coming against us on this one hand, hey, if that's the case, I'm going to probably lose my stack. But I don't think she's the type of player that would get that excited over 9-9 or 5-5. I really don't think she does ace-9 or ace-5. So I think we're we're tied with her or we're ahead. And we really, really, really went... She has, like, kings. But if she looks excited, she probably has, like, ace-king or ace-queen. I mean, it seems pretty obvious. And even if she has aces, again, this goes back to why chip stacks are so important. Um, again, I'm not willing to give away 150 just for kicks, but we're, we're in a better spot here where uh, we're not playing for our stack here if we're wrong, right? right. So if uh, I, we can play this a little bit more casually, and I agree with you, I'm going to check and let her lead the action. And then if at the end our 150, her, our 150 bucks of ours is in there to match hers, and she turns over pocket aces. Okay, um, worst things could happen. Um, you know, we could be calling them units instead of chips. <laughs> so I, I, the chip stacks really kind of help this hand a lot. I think so. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. Have to check too. <laughs> All right, uh, our hero says we notice that there's no diamond, um, but decide that her continued excitement on an ace hide board must mean a set or a big ace with a big kicker. And because the second highest card on the board is a nine, her tight image and her pre-flop raise probably rules out nine, nine, and five, five. Uh, we decide that statistically means one combination of aces or a bunch of ace-x combinations. I think the likelihood of her raising uh, ace-nine and ace-five pre-flop is zero. We can't be scared of aces, but we decide to check and maybe come alive at some point. We'll probably check call her for now. All right. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's, I, that's kind, of, kind of exactly what I said in a way. I mean, I... Right. Ace nine, ace five don't make sense with the, her finally coming alive and raising preflop. Nines and fives, maybe nines, but even so, you know, she seems very excited um, to just finally have a hand. You know, I mean, if somebody flops a set, they kind of sort of aren't going to like have a poker face. You know, I mean, they're they're they're, they're going to want to like you know sort of I don't know cover up what they're you know what I mean just disguise their strength somehow. 
if she's still excited, it just seems like she's hit her ace like she's supposed to, and now she's moving along with it. I don't think she has a set. I really don't. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, um, all right. So I'm checking. I'm going to let her bet. Like we said, yep. we're going to check. Gonna check yeah. All right. She bets twenty dollars into the twenty dollar pot, and it's back to us. Yeah, just call. Another street isn't going to hurt us because nothing gets there on the next street except for a straight of yeah. you know I mean, six we, seven or we, something. Ruled it down to one hand that has his beat, um, and a lot of hands that we have that we are beating. Right. So yeah. at this point, I want her to think that she's king of the world or queen of the world. Or Daenerys. <laughs> Stormborn. Yeah. Ruler of dragons. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna call here. I mean, we got two more streets where we can get more value out, but right now I want her to feel pretty good about this hand, so I'm calling. Yeah, I agree. Alright, that's where here it says we stick with our read and call. Turn is the eight of diamonds, so our board now is uh oh boy. I had to go back in. Ace of clubs, nine of hearts. Ace of clubs, nine of hearts, five of spades, eight of diamonds. Eight of diamonds. And he says changing the nuts to six seven on the board of eight nine. Ace nine eight five rainbow. Uh, she looks at the board for a split second and starts to cut out a bet, looking at her stack the whole time. We watch her and wait, realizing we need to check before she bets. What do we do? Yeah, she clearly wants to bet again. I'm going to let her. Yep. I mean, I, I have I don't have a huge hand, so and she seems to be betting pot, which is fine with me if she wants to bet another, I don't know, 40 bucks this time or whatever. I'm, I'm still fine with that because it's not bank breaking me, and I'm getting most of her stack anyway. If she, if I were to bet, I probably would bet what she's going to bet. So why have her shove on me when I could just do it and control the size of the pot by letting her bet her small bets? So let her do it. All right. So if we check here, which I'm going to do as well, too, is this where we come alive, or do we wait for the river? No, I don't think we check raise. I think we wait for the river. I think we we see if she's you know looking at us like, hey, he keeps calling, and if she likes that idea, and then at the end she still doesn't shove. Then we make up our, you know, we, at the end we might bet out. I don't know. It just depends. But I think with her eagerness to bet, she's going to bet all the streets. So I think I'm just going to check again. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, we check, and she bets thirty dollars. Actually, she pushes out a thirty dollars stack of chips. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine. I'm just going to call be great. again. I have all these five dollars chips. I have these dollars chips, and then I have one solid stack that's thirty dollars. Here's the thing, too, is now, you know, we're going to play like a real player, not like Scott, and we're going to actually play the player <laughs> and the situation rather than our actual hand because in this situation, it could look like we're drawing, you know. And so with this hand, because you could easily have Jack-10 here, and so with this hand, if something comes that represents Jack-10 or 6-7, you know, I obviously made the straight, but we can now sort of represent a bigger hand than we have in case we think she does have that set and get her off the hand if uh, she picks up on yeah. that. Yeah. Because we've played it sort of like a draw. I mean, we've just been check-calling the whole way. We only called the raise out of the blinds, so you could have anything in the blinds. Now you could totally say, hey, I've got the hand, and, you know, whatever. So you can use that to your advantage too now. Let the story that you've been told or that you're telling uh, actually work for you in the end if she's that type of player. If she can figure out a story, then you have that going for you as well. But you still have top pair, top kicker on a board that doesn't seem like any of her cards would have fit into it that would hurt you. So um, I like this. I like this uh, this card. So Nope. Uh, all right. Uh, so she looks at us still excited. We wait 10 seconds or so to feign weakness and call. Yeah, all right. I so agree. other than my pre-flop raise, we've all been playing this the same way. Yeah, I think walking the dog is, is good, except just better hope that you're ahead. That's all. All right. The river is a seven, making the final board ace, nine, eight, seven, five. And once again, the action's on us. Uh, but again, Phil says she seems intent on betting out of turn. She's cutting out over a half her stack, which looks like a total of $100. Should we interrupt her with a bet or a check? No, let her bet that, because then you could just push the rest of it in, and she's going to have to call. Yeah, yeah, she bets 100 here. She only had 150 to start, so she bet 20 and 30, so this is it, basically, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how she started with 150 if she's betting out 100 now, and she's already bet 30 and 20. Well, the problem is this poker room allows you to have $30 stacks, so <laughs> it's um, hard to actually... I think she has more chips yeah, than we think to start with. So that this is kind of weird because now our whole analysis gets changed. 
if she only has about 150, but now we find out she has more than that. She can't be betting 100 on the end, if she, and it's only half her stack. Because right there, that'd be she had 200 in her stack before she even bet the 30 and 20, too. So she had 250 in her stack this way. So I'm a little confused. Um, something doesn't seem right now. The, now I think the it probably way. depends on what we do based on <clears throat> yeah, what stack sizes and what she bets here. But check again. I think yeah, I still think we're checking. It's just it's just now the math is way off from the beginning of the hand. There's no way she right. started with 150 in his hand. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, I still I it could depend. You know, earlier on in the hand, we might have played it differently, knowing we can get much more out of her, or. You know, we might not have played it. We might, have, you know, it just depends on different moves when I made different times in this hand because of the stack size. So, um, anyway, yeah, if it looks like she's going to bet a hundred to us now. I'm going to check because if I bet, she's only going to bet more. And now, when she's willing to bet a hundred, you know, I'm willing to probably get it all in with her now, but let her do it first because I don't think she can fold. I have no idea what's left in her stack if she's betting a hundred now. So, yeah. But, well, well, let's just say if she's cutting out half or over half her stack, which is what he's saying, whatever it is, she's not going to fold. Not going to fold. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, we are still deciding what to do, and the dealer realizes that it's our turn. He raises his hand. We interrupt him with a check as she continues preparing her bet. She doesn't seem to notice dealer say, "Wait, okay." As he puts his hand down, she pushes across sixty dollars into the pot of one twenty. And she has 45 left in her stack. Okay. So that's what it looks like. She's cutting out her stack. So her stack was 100. Yeah, stack. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that makes more sense then. So she, All right, so she had about 100 left. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, all right, so she cut out. Obviously, I'm going to put in the, the remaining whatever it is, 40, 45, yeah. whatever, because you might as well just take all of her money. And then maybe she'll look at that board and be like, uh, she can't fold, you know what I mean, no matter what. And it's, that's what's scary, too, is... She could think we have a six now and and make a straight, but at that point well, she can't I mean, fold for forty bucks. If, if, if she folds leaving forty five behind, that's not a bad thing for us either, right? right so right. Yeah, it'd be nicer to get her extra forty five, but then there's no risk that she does have something uh, some crazy set that we we dismissed already. You that, could get her to fold the same hand that we have, and you know what I mean. So that that helps too. Oh uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're gonna raise here. Let's see. Our hero does the same thing. We decide to go for the stack and say, I've got the raise. She starts looking at the board, and the excitement melts off her face as she realizes a six makes a straight, but can't fold what she said was ace-queen. She looked a little better when she saw my hand as if she was okay losing the ace-king, but not a six. <laughs> so she had uh, ace-queen. Okay. Yeah, we rake in a huge pot and count out our 600 chickens before they hatched. Uh, oh, my gosh. She, there's so many words we can use for chips now. <laughs> chickens. Chips, units, stacks. Checks, checks. Don't forget checks. Skittles. Um, he said, sadly, losing most of our profit when we decide to chase a huge draw in a three-way hand that would have grown our stack to over $1,000. We still cashed out 280 for a slight winner that reminds us that we would have lost for the session had we not gotten that last 105 on the river of the ace-king hand. That streak turned the session from a loss to a win. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah, Ace Queen make, makes a lot of sense there. Um, uh, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised to turn over Ace Jack or Ace Ten too. Players like that get excited about those hands. Once it gets to that Ace Nine, though, then the excitement. Whatever reason that Nine and Ten. Yeah. Is yeah. That, that, that extra number next to the number. <laughs> no, it's the Broadway. It's a chance at Broadway that makes me excited. Yeah. There's nothing with Ace Nine. Uh, you can't make anything. So yeah, I'd, uh, I would have not been surprised if she turned over Ace King, Ace Queen, Ace Jack, or Ace Ten. Yeah, yeah. I would have put a lot of money on it being one of those four hands. So. Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed that way. Just and plus the odds of it being the set of aces just were just you know so minuscule that you couldn't take it too seriously. And plus the way she was betting. I mean, and she, it was weird. She she was very uh, composed in the hand though. It wasn't like she because she apparently was you know so frustrated earlier on in the hand that it seems like the first chance she had to go against this maniac, she would have like gotten excited and really. So she stayed composed throughout the hand. She played it really well. It's just. You know, I probably at some point would have slowed down on that river. I would have taken this set. You know what? Uh, I, I it could be. I could have anything. That, that's the part where you can't be blinded by your hand and not realize it's on the board. Yeah. Well, it's, saved it's degree, bucks. I'm going to give her a little uh, cover here in the fact that you don't expect the way we played the ace game, which was perfect, right? 
Um, you don't expect to see that hand turned over there, do you? No, probably not. You don't, you don't expect somebody to just call your bet with that hand, the small blind, and then just check call all the way to the end and then raise you for your last 45 bucks and just happen that. So, you know, while, while you always need to be careful with Ace Queen being out kicked, it just, I mean, eventually I think we probably, she probably should have looked at the board and really tried to figure out what we're sticking around here in and, and gave credence to that. But, but even if she did, I mean, what are you going to do on the river? Are you, you check behind, you save 105 bucks. Yeah, that's probably true. 105 of her 150 stack. I mean, she only lost $45 then. You're right. You're right. You're right. You got to look at that board and say, wow, there's four to a straight on there. And even if there isn't four to a straight, you say you get to the river, you're like, you're happy to show it down. Not because what could he possibly have had? Because he's keeping hanging. You're right. You're right. And if he's, and if he's until that point, she, uh, yeah. Up until that point, though, she played it great, and then at the end, plus even I don't if, know about great, her bets were kind of well, small. great, right? But yeah, Good. well, she sure. bet the pot, which isn't too yeah. bad. I mean, the first hand, the second, she bet a little more than half the pot. That's, that really wasn't that bad betting. I mean, you know, and when he's won two games, betting pot when a small raised free flop heads up, it's not that big of a bet. Yeah, you know, I think she played it all right. It's just at the end. Plus, like I said, even if he doesn't have that. And he was drawing. What are you? You're not going to. You're going to get called by a better hand at the end, or you're going to be raised by a better hand. So you're not going to make any more money. You're only going to run the risk of losing money here. The only way you make money is if he has ace jack, and maybe he can see a call of sixty bucks there. But it's such a specific hand. I just check behind and be happy to take down a fifty dollars from him, you know, or whatever. But I think that's really her biggest mistake. Plus, getting that excited over ace queen. I mean, don't go broke with a queen in your hand, Doyle Brunson. Well, she was Darius. So. Yeah. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Log. We'll see you at the table. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.